The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. I always want to focus on Jesus. We have to bring it back to Jesus. It's got to be focused on the gospel. You've got to fix your eyes and heart on the gospel. Anything beyond that is literally error. But we do have a responsibility as leaders in the body of Christ to teach on some of these things so we can understand it. Otherwise, people are, are wowed and dumbfounded. And honestly, they can be deceived if they don't just go, oh, I know what that is right? It's something that you've got to begin to understand. So we've had a tremendous time here. I was watching my wife, Heather. She taught our broadcast at home. We have what we call the Joseph Z Live. We do it every day. And Heather uh, was, was just teaching today. She was so great. I so enjoyed my wife. She's my favorite preacher and uh, just enjoyed her. And I can't wait to come back with her so we could spend time together uh, here and, and be with all of you. So we've been enjoying ourselves. We love South Africa. Man, Man, just, uh, just, just the other day, we went to, uh, the, on a mini safari. Pastor Tafari, Chipo took me on a mini safari. Now, maybe many of you have experienced this. I have not. And it was amazing. This elephant put his, his trunk right on my head. You know, like, he, I think he just likes bald guys or something. He was just like, you know, I want to put my snout on your head, you know. And uh, he did that. And so it was really great and, and uh, just had a great time. And uh, Tafara said, you know, I don't, I don't go pet the lions like you did, Joseph. He said, I'm from here. I know better. <laughs> I'm so glad your pastor always brings his guests to play with dangerous animals. But anyway, no. uh, it's wonderful. Praise God. We love Faith Hill Church. This church is an international church. This is a global church. This is a church that's going to impact the continent for the complete gospel of grace and also begin to teach people how to prosper in this continent. I'm telling you, there's an anointing for it. Every time I stand in front of these pastors, I see it every time. And I know God is raising it up. And when you sow into this church and you sow into these leaders, your time, your finance, your, your heart, and you put your time here, I'll tell you what, you'll begin to see a return and you'll also begin to move into God's economy and watch the vision of this ministry explode across the globe. Praise God. A lot we can talk about with that. So, and also I want to say to you, uh, when you get involved and you put your heart in this ministry, I just believe God's just going to advance you. I believe there's a supernatural responsibility God is putting on this church. And many of us, we need to learn this phrase when we're in ministry and in the church. You know, if I did a showing of hands, how many people have been hurt by church? It'd probably be a lot of people in this room. You know, if we did a night of testimonies where we talked about all of our scars, you know, and we talked about all the difficulties, you know, they should have a new TV show, not Dancing with the Stars. In church, we could call it Dancing with the Scars, right? Yeah. And we'd all be like, it's so painful. You don't know what they did to me. Oh, God. You know, and you go through that. Yeah, of course. Everybody's been through that. Welcome to the human experience. Right? Man, if we were to do a, a, a scar comparison tonight, we'd be here a long time. It'd be a very depressing meeting. Very sad. But the truth is, is we need to rise above that and start looking at the author and the finisher of our faith and bringing us forward. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, Jesus wants you to win more than you do. God wants you to win more than you do. I'll take it a step further. He needs you to win more than you want to win. You know why God wants you to increase? 
so you can fulfill the covenant he's placed on the earth. You can keep enforcing it, taking it around the world. That's why. God needs you to increase. He needs you to prosper, not for selfish gain, so you can do your mission and enjoy your life in the process. I'll never forget my grandfather was on his deathbed, Pastor Tafaro. He was on his deathbed, and my grandfather was a very wealthy man, and he sought the Lord, and, and he, he got born again halfway through his life and began to serve God with all of his heart. And he looked at me, and he said on his deathbed, as, well, first of all, my grandfather, one day I walked into the room, you know, and he's laying there on his bed, and he's, he's, he's uh, not looking well, and he, he was not responding. And I walked into the room, and he's laying on the bed, and he's not responding, and I'm like, Grandpa, Grandfather, are you Okay. And I came up to him, and when I got close enough, he jumped up and, like, bit at me, Arr! like that. And he was pretending he was dead to scare me. <laughs> He's like, I ain't dead yet. Ha-ha! <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like what's, what's wrong with you, you know? And, uh, but he said, he said, you know, Joseph, you are, you're a hard worker. You chase God. You do all the things God has for you. He said, but I want to encourage you. You need to stop. We have a saying, you need to stop and smell the roses. You need to stop and enjoy the journey a little bit. And God's been challenging me in this because I'm a worker. I don't know if you guys, if many men in here, women relate to this, where we're just workers. We get stuff done. We get after it. And sometimes we get so busy doing what God calls us to do that we forget we're supposed to enjoy the journey, enjoy one another, enjoy fellowship. God created us to be human beings, not human doings. Right? And that's, a, that's a good word. So I feel like that was for somebody. So... Let's jump into some prophetic things tonight. We're going to talk about it since I have you all week. I want to do some teaching uh, tonight that will begin to bless you, and I believe it's going to be a good understanding. So I want to talk to you about a little bit of um, mastering the experience tonight. I'm going to title this Mastering the Experience. Now, if you're prophetic or you have encounters with prophetic people, or unique things that are happening, there can be things that are kind of unique sometimes. And some of them are of God, some of them are not. And I want to talk about a few points tonight that I think will help you. And I think this will be good. So some of the things I'm going to talk about tonight is I want to talk about visions, dreams, deja vu, trances, strange happenings, and some encounters. Can I have the whiteboard brother over closer here? I really appreciate it. It's good to have one of the elders in the house. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Can I actually have it right here? Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate you. Can we give the man of God a hand for helping? Thank you, sir. All right. Let's look at this here. I'm going to write these down. So uh, two things. One, that uh, you see what I'm talking about. And two, that I don't lose my place. So let's do this here. Let's take a look. I'll move this. Let's talk about visions. Okay. Just wrote a few things down that I want to break down for us. Let's talk about dreams. Let's talk about scary things like trances. This is going to bless you guys tonight. Let's talk about deja. I think this is how you spell that. I don't know. Help me if I'm incorrect. Let's talk about VU. This was actually a period. See that? Yeah. And so you realize this. <laughs> I love being with the proper English. And so uh, let's talk about then also strange happenings and just encounters. And we'll, we'll pull all that together. Encounters. 
Praise God. Okay? Let's talk about this just a little bit tonight. Now, there's a lot we could get into, and I could go into a deep teaching. I'm not going to go into a deep teaching with this. I'm going to just talk about it a little bit, if that's okay. You guys want to understand some of these things? People have these kind of encounters all the time. And there are times as we walk through things, we meet people that have unique experiences. Now, number one, sometimes people are just saying things. As it talks about in First Peter, it talks about in the epistles, as sometimes people are literally just, um, praise God. Uh, Jason, the light is on on the phone, so we can take the light off. But anyway, it's just, <laughs> so anyway, so we recognize this, that strange encounters in these things are things that people, hey, bud, how are you doing? Welcome to the meeting. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Jesus. You have a mind of a banker. It's good. Okay, let's look at this here in Jesus' name. So when we're looking at some of these things, visions, let's talk about that very quickly. Visions work in a few different ways, and I'm just going to write this out for you, and I'll just go through this quickly so we can kind of have an understanding. Visions can work out where you have an intuitive vision, okay, intuitive visions. You can have day visions, you can have night visions, and you can have a number of things, and this, of course, leads into dreams. Let's talk about an intuitive vision or just a vision. First and foremost, we know what visions are. I've had them. Maybe some of you have had them, and you didn't know if it was a vision or not. Sometimes a vision will come on you, and it literally can look like a movie. Okay, you're looking at something, and all of a sudden, information starts to play out in front of your eyes, and you're saying, what's happening? What is this about? And that's what is called a vision. Now, your soul and your spirit don't always communicate properly. Can we talk about that? Your five senses is what your soul is operating by, your five senses. And it says in, in um, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, at the very end of the chapter, it says, those of us who, re through reason of use, have our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I think it's around verse 12. Let me go there real quick. I should read that to you. Let's take a look at Hebrews real quick here. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to run over there in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 5. And, uh, yep, verse 12. Let's take a look at that. Hebrews 5, 12. Let me read this to you. This will be important. Let's look at this here. Verse 12, it says of Hebrews chapter 5, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk, not solid food. And this is really talking about people depending on the law, not listening to grace, not staying in grace, but there's even more. Let's go to verse 13. Hebrews 5.13, the next verse, where it says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Look at that, righteousness. That's talking about grace. In other words, if you're only skilled in the word of doing and trying to get more from God, that is literally you're on the milk of the word. You're not truly understanding that you are saved by grace through your faith. That's the context of this, and that calls you a baby. People that are law-driven, and they command people to do things, and they're not very nice Christians, and they're not in grace, they're actually babies. They got their pampers on. They're walking around. You know, they got their diapers on. And so you recognize that. So let's jump over to verse 14 really quick, and this begins to take it to another level. Hebrews 5, verse 14. Look at this. It says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Remember we said earlier that both the church and the world deserve to see mature believers? Those who are of full age, this has nothing to do with our chronological age, how old or young we are physically. It has to do with our maturity. 
you know, maturity. When it says be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, that Greek word is not perfect. It doesn't mean perfection. It means be ye mature, okay? It says that is, this is what maturity looks like. That is those, somebody say I'm one of those who by reason of use, everybody say use, say use it, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Pay very close attention to this word, senses. Everybody see the word senses? In the original language, this is really referencing your five senses. Okay? It's not talking about some spiritual sixth sense or Holy Ghost sense. That could be part of it. You could put that in this category. It's talking about your five senses. Now, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing it up because it says in Romans chapter 12, as we all know, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind is a way of harnessing and marshalling your five senses under the authority of Jesus Christ. And this has everything to do with discerning good and evil, especially where spiritual strange happenings are concerned. Everybody okay so far? So I want to give that foundation. We need to, through reason of use, discipline or exercise our five senses. Now, a lot of people aren't trained in this. They go, oh, well, what does that mean? It means Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. It says in Peter, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. You begin to realize you have authority over your mental condition or your, your emotional condition. You have the ability to truly stand up with the strength of Jesus and take and harness up everything that's going on inside, and especially in regard to spiritual experiences, okay? It says in 2 Corinthians chapter, I think it's, uh, 14 verse 32, I think that's it, 14 verse 32, it says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the control of the prophet, okay? Let me say it again, spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. The NIV says subject to the control of the prophet, okay? And when you look at this, it means simply this, that whatever is going on inside of you, have you ever been around people that are like, oh, I just, I had to prophesy, I had to do something, oh, the Holy Ghost came on me, wow, and they couldn't control themselves? Babies. As a baby. Yeah, you got that diaper on. Woo! They're dancing in a diaper, you know, right? Praise God. Some of those diapers need to be changed. Amen. And so, okay, that was too much. Amen. Too much already, right out of the gate. So, <laughs> Pastor Tafaro will be back soon, I promise. Now, <laughs> now, we realize something about this, though, that, that when you, through reason of use, exercise your senses, it means the spirit of one who prophesies or the spirit of one who uh, speaks in tongues or the spirit of one who does any gift of the spirit is subject to your control. You control what happens, okay? Now, there are experiences that come to you, and you can't always control a dream. You can't always control things that are happening, but you can control how you respond to experiences. Amen? I'll never forget this, Pastor. One time I was having a dream. Have you ever had, and I'll talk about this maybe more as we get into this. Uh, you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself, but I, I'll get into that in dreams. But have you ever had nightmares? Lots of nightmares? Anybody here ever struggle with nightmares by a raise of hands? A few of you? Some of you? When I was a kid, I had nightmares, okay? And sometimes highly prophetic people can have a lot of nightmares when they're younger and they don't know what's going on. 
It's because your spirit man is trying to wake up and you got a soulish issue going on and your soul actually has a gift to perceive and discern things, but it cannot have any training. So therefore, you're picking up on everything that's happening. I'll never forget one time I went to a family member's funeral. And at this funeral, I'm standing there. And I'm going to talk about this. I should write on here so I don't forget. Let me write this up here. Um, I'll write the word traffic up here, okay? Let me write this out. This will be important. I'm going to write these terms just so I don't forget to tell them to you. Um, I was at a, a family member's funeral, and I began to experience what I call traffic or what we call mirroring. There was an experience with mirroring. Sometimes when you're prophetic and you're near people, uh, you'll begin to have these encounters that, that actually are not your emotions or your feelings, Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive deep here tonight, and then I promise we'll come up for air. Everybody okay? Are you ready to dive a little deep tonight, okay? We're going to get a little strange and a little odd, but it's going to be biblical, and then we're going to come out of it and glorify Jesus, okay? All right, so hang in here with me. When I was a kid, these are some of my experiences, and I had to learn to balance them with the Word of God because a lot of people run away with experience, and experience will mislead you if you don't have the Word of God in you. Okay, and I'll, I'll give a scripture for that in a moment. But what happened is I was a kid, and I'll never forget, as a young guy, I was probably under the age of 10, if I remember correctly. And I was at uh, in a, a family member's funeral many, many years back. And they began to open up and read a journal that this family member was keeping about their experience of their death. They were going down the road, and they were deteriorating and dying. And as they began to read this really depressing journal... All of a sudden, I found myself standing in the room where this person was writing the journal, and they were dead. Now, I get your attention. <laughs> so I'm standing here, and people are just listening and all depressed, and all of a sudden, as a little kid, I began to sob and sob and sob because I took on the emotions this person was experiencing through their death experience. And I'm in this place and I'm standing in their bedroom listening or to their thoughts and their emotions as they're writing out the pain of their journey. And I began to have this. And I didn't know what was happening to me. And people are like, man, get, a, get control of yourself, you know? Why are you crying so much? And I'm like, I, <laughs> I can't help it. You know? And I'm literally experiencing this person's pain. Now, I had to pull back from that. and I embarrassed my family. I embarrassed people because I couldn't even control myself. I'm a little guy taking on all these emotions. I've had other experiences where people began to tell me about circumstances uh, that people they knew, and all of a sudden, I'm there while they're talking about it. And the experience is so real to me while they're explaining it to me, I begin to weep, okay? And there's other experiences I've had where uh, people have handed me sticks of gum, things like that, or they touch me, and I feel like a spark, almost like a snap, electric shock. And all of a sudden, I get a flash of information about what they just did for the last hour. And so I don't know why these things happen other than to say I've had to learn to discern and bring my senses into order to rightly understand what God is saying and what my gifting was just doing without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, just because you have an experience doesn't mean it's okay doesn't make it truth. It doesn't mean it has accuracy. But you are experiencing something. And there's twofold understanding. When we have our, our senses exercised, that simply means we are rightly relating from our soul to what the Word of God says. When we do not have our senses exercised, we are literally experiencing things that are real experiences, but they are not proper relationship with what's supposed to be happening in your life. Okay? 
As a matter of fact, let me jump all the way over to the topic of witchcraft as we, before we jump into these points. The topic of witchcraft, do you know why God calls witchcraft and rebellion equal? He says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft is what he told Saul. Remember that? Samuel told Saul. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And people are like, ooh, witchcraft, witches, woo, you know, all that, right? The reason witchcraft and rebellion are terrible and equally so in the eyes of God is because witchcraft is an unauthorized use of supernatural power. It's rebellion against God's system for how we access the spirit realm. There's people that can access the spirit realm through mind-altering narcotics. That's where pharmacy comes from, pharmaceuticals, pharmacia. It's the Greek understanding of potions and witchcraft, okay? And that doesn't mean if you take an aspirin, you're of the devil. I'm just saying that, you know, you know it's okay, right? You know? but, the, but sometimes when people do this, there are people that literally go into trances and visions, and they use altering substances to get that experience, and it's a mixed experience. Your soul is altered, and you're actually encountering supernatural things you should not be encountering. Okay? That's why witchcraft is bad. is because it pierces the veil of the supernatural in an illegal way. And the devil has free reign to you, okay? Now, there's a lot we could talk about, and that involves astral projection, that involves different things with witches and all that. And the truth of the matter is, the simple answer to it all, people used to have spiritual warfare conferences, Pastor, especially in the 80s and, you know, many years ago, they'd have spiritual warfare conferences. And I always said, we could sum up a spiritual warfare conference with simply put that Jesus said, I've given you all authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. You could end the conference right there. Just read that scripture and say, thank you for coming. Amen? Amen. But people love to glorify this stuff. So when we're talking about this, let me back up and go into this now. Visions are an encounter where literally your five senses become suspended and something from the realm of the unseen breaks in through your five senses, okay? Meaning that you'll either see something with your mind's eye that becomes so real, it's looking like you're looking at it, okay? Paul said, uh, I, I didn't know if I was outside of my body, in my body, in heaven, on earth. I didn't know where I was. All I know is I saw some things that were illegal for me to describe, right? So you begin to recognize some of these things that this is where you begin to see this. Now, there's different types of visions where your five senses are suspended for a moment and you begin to have an encounter, and it's hard to tell sometimes when somebody's having a vision. Have you ever looked at somebody and, you know, they're zoned out or something? And the truth is maybe they just haven't had enough to eat that day, you know? <laughs> you know, they might, not, <laughs> they might not be having a vision. They just give that man a French fry, you know? And so, <laughs> and so in my encounter, um, visions and intuitive visions happen a lot in meetings. As a matter of fact, when I'm looking at people in an audience and I'm ministering to them, sometimes uh, people are like, Joseph, you're kind of freaking people out because uh, you'll stare off or you'll stare at their shoulder and you'll stare off to the wall and you just stare for a while and it's called gazing, by the way. You stare off and do that and then information starts coming. That's why I do that. I'm not trying to be weird or unique. Sometimes I'll see writing in the air and I begin to read words and then God says, okay, that's what I want you to talk about and I'll just in faith press into that topic. And so I see things, and, and that's also why people that were of the devil that didn't have the Holy Ghost, their gift can work similarly, okay? All right? Does that make sense? You know when people used to look into crystal balls, which is demonic, it's evil, it's dark, right? It's not of God, and I completely reject it and do not endorse it, just so you know. Um, but when people do that and they look into those things, fortune tellers and those people did not look into a crystal ball because they were um, seeing a vision inside the ball. 
You know what they were doing? They were looking into a blank space to have a clarity so they didn't have distraction around them and they focused into something and began to have visions. And that's how this gift can work, okay? Now, when you begin to understand that, that is obviously evil. It's a hijacking of truth. And you realize there's always a counterfeit to something real. There's always a counterfeit to something real. I think Pastor Tafara said this so well. You know, just because you've seen or heard of counterfeit $100 bills doesn't mean you throw out all $100 bills. As a matter of fact, you want more of them. You go, oh, that's a counterfeit. You get rid of it, and you go to the truth, right? So everything the devil does is based on a lie or a perversion of something real. Prophets were called seers in the Old Testament. There's a reason they were called seers is because they would see and say. They would see and say. And the truth is, is that real prophetic people, depending on what persuasion you're in or what gifting you flow in, sometimes you can just look and say, meaning that your gift is always on because God is always speaking, right? A lot of people say, you can't prophesy unless the Holy Ghost jumps on you. That's not true. That's not true. A singer can sing without the Holy Ghost. Now, should they? You know, you, you realize this. <laughs> right? And so you realize this, though, that when people prophesy, that if you're trained in it, you can literally have the word of God in you. You can have your senses exercised. You have a, a clear track record. You're accountable. You're not a lone ranger. You're not trying to manipulate people. You're doing things right. Then I actually teach prophetic people to look and prophesy. And that's different than a lot of places. People say, that's not right. You can't do that. Oh, yes, it is. It totally is. God asked Ezekiel, what do you see? And the truth of the matter is, you can do that. But here's the deal. You've got to have your senses exercised. You've got to begin to train. You've got to do this. Because no different than witnessing, no different than speaking in tongues that you can turn on and turn off, you can prophesy the same. It's no different. And people say, no, that's like saying, well, when you speak in tongues, you should wait for the Holy Ghost to bubble up in you, and then you speak in tongues. Not the same. The Holy Ghost, you could speak in tongues at a decision, at the drop of a hat, whenever you decide to, right? The same is true of prophecy. If you're, if you're gifted in the chosa chesa, word of knowledge stuff, you can actually look at people, discern what's going on, and begin to tell them what's happening. And then you give glory to Jesus and direct them to where they're going. A word of wisdom works the same way. You look at people and say, you have need of this. Let me tell you what to do. That's a word of wisdom. A word of knowledge is you look at people, you begin to recognize what's happening inside their life, what's happening around them, and then you begin to give them the word of the Lord, what God is saying. And people say you can't do that unless God is speaking. Here's the truth, though. God's always speaking. Always. He's hungry. to. He wants to speak to us. He wants you to hear his voice. Jesus is the voice of God, and Jesus is never silent. Praise God. Never silent. So the truth is, to the level that we can tap into the Holy Ghost and begin to see and say, that's healthy stuff. As long as it's not with mixture and your own agenda and you trying to do something. I'm really leery when people say, thus saith the Lord. I rather like to say, <laughs> I rather like to say, I have a sense about something. Do you mind if I share it with you? And let, let two or three judge. Amen? We doing good so far? So let's keep going here. So visions, intuitive visions are this. Let me talk about intuitive visions. I work in intuitive visions quite a bit. 
oftentimes in meetings, it happens several times in every meeting I do, where I'll look at a person that God tells me to look at, I, it, my Holy, the Holy Spirit leads me like a, a beacon, and that's why sometimes I'll look around, and some people are literally invisible to me in meetings. Like, I literally don't see some people. And they'll come up and say, oh, such a good meeting. I'm like, have I met you? You know, like, I don't see them. And I'm not trying to be rude. It's not, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why it's like that with me. But sometimes I just don't see some people because God is trying to get something to someone. And sometimes, you know, I might not be clear enough to give everybody what they need in a meeting. And so pray for me. Amen? Sometimes it ain't God. It's the, this guy's fault, you know? I'm like, well, or maybe I have a bad attitude or something one day. And I'm like, you know what? Help all these people yourself, Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. <laughs> I never do that. But I'm just saying, though, that, that kind of thing is, you know. <laughs> and the truth is, is that we've got to be people that love people and work in this. Now, intuitive visions operate like this. Intuitive visions are literally something where you recognize that there's a mental picture that comes up inside you. You're not seeing it with your eyes. You're not hearing it with your ears. There's like an image that comes up from the inside, and you begin to see it with your mind. Uh, Pastor talked about an apple on Sunday, so let me talk about this. If I say the word red apple, can you see it? You see it with your eyes, or the mind, your eyes are your mind, the eyes are your heart. You begin to see it. What? That's an image. That's an intuitive image on the inside. Now, all of a sudden, if I said, well, see the stem on top. Now, do you see the little green leaf on that red apple? You would say, yeah, I could see it. What if I said you don't see the red apple? You'd be like, I still see it, right? So, so the truth is, is that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the truth is you begin to see these things, and your intuitive vision works just like that. Meaning, there's an image or a picture that comes up on the inside, but the difference is you have your senses exercised to discern good and evil. Therefore, you know that God is speaking to you, and now you're seeing an image, and you don't know why you're seeing it. So then you've got to learn to interpret that image. Okay? Is that simple enough? There's times I see an image when I was younger. I used to just call out the images, and people are like, what? But sometimes it's your language you're seeing something with, you know? you'll start to see a language. And there's times I see images that, have, that are not literally what's going on in someone's life. I'll see an image, and I, and I have to wait a moment, and I go, okay, there's that image, and uh, let's say it's a red apple, and then God's just saying, this person's hungry. You know, I don't know. But something like that, where God literally uses an image to give you something that is a language you understand for that individual. Does that make sense? Or it's an image you might see while you're praying, and you go, like, oh, God, what is this? What is this? You know, let's start out with this. Have you ever prayed for somebody or one time you're praying and you're praying and all of a sudden you start thinking about a, a brother or sister? You're like, huh, boy, I'm just thinking about them. Hmm. And then an hour later they call you or something happens with them or, and you're like, I was just thinking about you. You know what that is? That's a discerning of spirits. That's where you're starting to move into like a word of knowledge, uh, a word of wisdom. You're stepping into the Holy Ghost. You're having kind of an intuitive vision, so to speak, and you're beginning to experience some of these things. And you say, well, what was that? Now, what happens is your prophetic gift gets stronger as you pray in tongues, as you seek the Lord, as you pour the Word of God in. You can begin to have an encounter like that, and then it goes from, I'm thinking about a person to, boy, I'm really thinking about this person, and boy, it feels like there's pain in their body. And more information is there, and you're like, is there? And then you, you reach out, or maybe you were timid, and then you find out they weren't feeling very well or something, right? That's how prophetic stuff begins to grow. 
It works like that. Now, people that try to force the issue, that's where you get into goofy stuff, but what you need to do is just be humble. Just be humble. People love it when you try. Right? If you're humble and, you, and if you don't come and you're like, I believe, wow, you know, and you do a little shake and, you know, I believe that Jesus, Jesus is a word for you, wow, you know, people are like, you know, they don't know what's happening. But if you don't do that, if you come up and you say, hey, I, I, I have a sense, I don't know if I'm on or off, may I share something with you? And please help me for my benefit and maybe you. And then you just share with them. Say, have you been hurting in your body? Have you had this going on? I want to pray for you. So and they're like, some people be like, no, not really. Well, you know what? The other day I was. And you go, huh. And sometimes there's ripple effects to things where you feel something that happened two days ago, but it's over. It's weird how this stuff works. But then you can pray for them. And that's a good way to begin to practice. Don't be weird. Use people skills. Let's all say this together, church. People skills. It's good to be nice to people. Right? Praise God. Everybody's been around all that stuff, you know. So let's, let's, <laughs> there's going to be prophetic teams in this church, and they're going to have what? People skills, right? That means they're not going to be rebuking people. You know what? I'm going to rebuke you. You know, that's, that's not going to work for people. Can't be rebuking people. You know what? I'm prophetic. I'm going to rebuke the pastor. You know what? The spirit of slap will come on me if you touch this man right that was too much for people <laughs> I, like i said pastor tafar will fix it all so so we realize this though that that there's going to be prophetic teams i believe that will be raised up in this house but it'll be healthy exhorting comforting encouraging maybe some word of knowledge that goes beyond just that but it'll be humble helping people with humility that's the safest way to do it where you don't begin giving direction i see you moving to alaska and you will find peace. You know, it's like, and they're like, I don't know, Jesus. Okay, don't be doing that. <laughs> you just say, if you don't know what to say and you're trying to prophesy to somebody, just say, Jesus loves you so much. That's always an accurate word. Yeah. Intuitive visions. You guys clear on what that is? It's a picture that comes up on the inside. We begin to see some of that. Day visions are when you're walking around and it's almost like a dream in the middle of the day. Okay? Day visions and night visions. They're, they're, they're very similar. Uh, day visions could be like in the morning when you're kind of waking up and you're kind of half with it, half not with it. You're awake but not asleep. You're kind of in that euphoric place where you're like, do I have to get up, Jesus? You know that place you can be in? And that's sometimes when day visions can come to you. You start seeing things more clearly then. Night visions are the same way in the middle of the night or, or late at night as you're drifting off to sleep, not waking up. You can begin to have a night vision where you begin to see something. Either you wake up at night and see something, or you do these kind of things. And I've seen positive and negative things that way. Uh, there was a colonel and a general one time that I began to pray for, and then I saw them later, and all that, a, a global guy and all this stuff. And I began to see one time some things that were happening with Syria. And I began to see things in different nations, and I would talk to Heather about it. I remember when uh, September 11th happened in New York City. Uh, a week before that, I was, I was up, and I'd been seeing all these visions of... of um, the United States all covered in red, and it said severe storm warning, and there's things happening. And I saw seven tornadoes, and two of them were invisible. And I was like, what is this, God? And those are languages we have. And then I told people about it, and they said, oh, don't worry about it, Joseph. You're just weird. You know? and, then, and then all that happened, and I said, God, I saw this. I just didn't know what my language was, right? And I could have you know, told people that I knew, hey, maybe don't be in that area or whatever. 
Now, there's things with that that we begin to understand. So that's pretty clear on what night visions and day visions are. Let's talk about dreams for a moment. Dreams are a little more elusive. They're, they're a unique understanding that we should probably uh, try to talk about better uh, to help people. Dreams are, um, for lack of a better term, people often have dreams, and they come to me a lot, and they say, can you interpret my dream? Okay? And the truth is, I can interpret dreams. I really can. But how many of you know the best person to interpret a dream is you? If you have it, you're the one that knows what you felt in the dream. You're the one that's seeing it. So let me talk about this very quickly. If you're a dreamer and you're having this a lot, you need to start keeping a journal. Okay? You want to start keeping a journal because then you can build a track record. And a track record means you're building your language. In other words, over a period of time, you may see uh, an insect, or you may see a star, or you may see a symbol, or you may see a person. And uh, dreams are kind of complicated in some regards because sometimes you'll see yourself in a dream and it's really not you. It's someone else you're seeing, but you're there because your soul is trying to fill in the gaps. Okay? Now, let me say this to you. When a dream happens, the Holy Spirit is trying to speak something like a word of knowledge to you, trying to give you information. But spiritual information is very different than the logical information. And when it comes through the veil of our five senses, our five senses go into overdrive trying to make sense out of what, what's happening to it. Does that make sense? So that's why dreams, I tell people a lot of times, when you have a dream, interpret it by the heart of the dream, not every detail in the dream. Because some dreams, like people send me like a, a book of their dream. Like it's just this long thing. And you're like, what am I reading? You know, it's like, and then I got cookies at grandma's. And then I went over here. And then I saw my brother and he was on a pogo stick. And, I, and, and then I saw dragons flying. And then there was, you know, all these people running around and mass hysteria and all that. But then I saw my daughter and she was supposed to go to this one school or something like that. And literally the whole heart of the dream is what you need to, to pull out of it. Sometimes all the details are very important. Sometimes they are. But sometimes, like, if how you felt in the dream matters. It feels very strong to you. It matters, okay? What begins to happen in a dream? If you were you in the dream, it matters. If you were not you in the dream or you were looking at yourself in the dream, there's things about that that you need to pray through, and I can break this stuff down if we had more time. But the truth of the matter is the whole thing about dreams is you need to begin to journal them and see what happened in that dream and what came to pass and what didn't. The parts that came to pass, you need to pay attention to the symbolism in the dream. And when that symbolism happens, you start to build a track record. Now, this is a common one for a lot of people, but I know if I have a dream about a tornado, that's serious. Something is about to go down if I have a dream about a tornado. And it depends on if the, the tornado is about to uh, be in proximity to something or someone or a structure or if it hits it. And if it hits it, did it shake it or did it destroy it? And it's very simple. I mean, it's a pretty obvious, you know, analogy, but that is a very strong one. If I see a spider in a dream, depending on the size of the spider or what it is, the negative part of that tells me some things, and it's usually about religion or control, okay, different languages. If I see different things or if I see individuals in a dream, you know, and there's people that are very positive symbols in a dream, you know, you'll see things that, are, that appear as positive things in a dream, and you'll figure out your language, okay? Does that make sense? And you, you only know that by doing it over and over and over again. And you have a dream journal, and you can check two years ago and go, I don't even remember that dream, but I dreamed these symbols. And that's important. You begin to build a dream language. Enough about that for now. Does that make sense, though? Okay. 
That, listen, all right. Let's talk about trances real quick. This is a fun one. Um, people with trances, you know, you get into this. Trances are not common. They're not common. I've had a few of these in my life. They're not common. So Peter, he's the most common version of a trance. Uh, you realize he was probably having a day vision when he was laying on top of the, the house, Peter was, and all of a sudden he slipped away into a day vision and fell asleep and had a trance. He was awoken into a trance. A trance is like an intense vision that you just you can't step out of, okay? And typically trances are for the office of the prophet. Okay, now some people can have it. They have powerful experiences. These are guidelines, not hard and fast rules. But typically, trances are for people that are apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers. Uh, that's what I begin to see with trances the most. Um, I've had trances when I was a, a young guy. And uh, I remember standing there, and all of a sudden, I'm worshiping God. I laid on the floor. I'm listening to an old worship leader named Kent Henry, if any of you know who that is. But I'm, I'm laying on the floor listening to, to worship leader, and, and I'm praising God. And all of a sudden, I got sleepy. And then I was in another place, boom. And I saw myself standing in a stadium. And then I saw myself standing on this podium with a bow and arrow shooting at a target, and people were throwing stones and all this stuff. And I was aiming at the target, and the Lord said, hit the target, son, hit the target, because to miss would be sin. And I was like, okay. And God began to speak it to me, and it was audible, and all these things. And I was literally in this moment, like seeing it. It was in this place. And I want to say something about this. Trances are where you get caught up into a circumstance. You'll never have to question if you had a trance. It's like power steering. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're like, you're just there. I went to the, uh, anybody ever remember the Pensacola Revival back in the 90s, the Brownsville Revival? I went down to those, those meetings in Florida in the United States, and they had thousands of people every day for years coming to these meetings. And I went there, and there's a spirit of revival on the place. You know, the message was not grace, but there was a spirit of revival there, and the Holy Ghost was present, and there was power in the room. And I was in that for a few days, and it was the first time I had a powerful trance. So when you're in the presence of God, it'll induce things, right? So I left the meeting, and I got on a bus, and I sat down on the bus, and all of a sudden, as soon as I sat down, I left. I was standing somewhere else, Pastor. And I was like, what's going on, Jesus? And all of a sudden, I stood there, and the place I was standing was all concrete. The, the ground was all concrete, thick concrete as far as my eyes could see. And I'm looking in my hand, and all of a sudden, I held my hand up. And in my hand was a tiny little white seed, like a mustard seed, right? A little seed in my hand. And I had the unction to take the seed, and I, and I began to step back like this, and I threw the seed like that. I threw the seed, and the seed arced up and lobbed over, and when it hit the ground, it hit the ground with several tons of force. Boom! And it almost shook the ground, and the ground broke up like in a cone shape, and the dirt flew up from underneath, and the rock or the concrete had been broken, like in an area the size of this room, just smashed open. And I, I thought, whoa! <laughs> I said, God, what was that? And the Lord said, so shall your words be. And I said, okay. And then, da -da 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 -da, I'm on the bus. And I looked at the guy next to me, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know? And uh, those kind of things, you know. So you have these experiences, you know, and nobody's living it with you. They're like, hey, man, you want some Jolly Ranchers? You want to, you know, and it's like, you want a candy? And I'm like, no, no, man, I was just talking with God, you know. And so you have these experiences. And so that's what a trance is like. A trance is like a vision that 
I believe that God gives people and just apprehends them. And I believe that you can control anything and how you respond to things, but trances are kind of a unique encounter that I've only had a few of. And I don't think people have these very often. I just don't. I don't see it in the Bible. I don't see it much. You know, Paul had visions. He had dreams. Remember the Macedonian man that said, come over and help us. It was a dream. It was a night vision, a night vision that was actually a dream that Paul had. So things you can see. Um, there's another thing that begins to happen, and I, I'm trying to remember where it is in the book of Acts, but Peter, remember Peter was talking to, I don't know if it was Simon the sorcerer or one of those guys, he was talking to that man that was working uh, miracles and signs and wonders, and Peter finally looked at the man and said, I see that you are bound by iniquity, right? Notice the words, though. He said, I see, I see, I see. He looked and saw the sin, and he saw what was going on. He said, boy, you better repent, or you're going to basically perish. And this guy's like, pray for me that none of the things you say will happen to me, right? That is what happens with some of these things. That's word of knowledge, and it begins to move that way. Okay, let's jump over to deja vu. Let's talk about this. Anybody ever experienced deja vu? Kind of a lot. It doesn't, it's not bad to raise your hand. Most people experience it. What is deja vu? That's where you are in a, a place and all of a sudden you're there and things begin to happen in front of you where you say, I've been here before. I've, and this is familiar to me. And it just played out like that. And you're sitting there going, how do I feel that I've seen this before? Why am I experiencing this? And why is it unfolding right in front of me? It's like I knew this or I did know this, Right? Now, let me, let me deflate some of that, and then let me talk about the truth of it, okay? 80% or more of deja vu is purely psychological. And this is going to help some people. You're going to go, oh, my goodness. So I've, uh, in the university I went to, I studied different things, and one of the things in psychology that I began to study is that there are things in the synaptic gaps in our mind, our brain that when we have a moment where the brain can't process information, you are not aware that it can't process some things. So what your brain does is there are gaps in your thought patterns that your brain will then induce or flood you with a hormone or, or some kind of uh, uh, filler that will give you a sense of a simple euphoric feeling, and it's trying to fill in data gaps inside your mind. Okay? Meaning there's a gap in your process, and all of a sudden you get kind of a euphoric feeling, and you're like, everything feels so familiar. It's because your brain is trying to identify what's happening around you, okay? And then it starts to feel familiar because your brain is processing at triple time and filling in that gap of data that's not there, and it kind of like glosses it over, so you get a sense of, I've seen this before. Something's happening. It's purely natural. Now... But wait, there's more. Okay? <laughs> okay? There's a 10 to 5%. And I, these are percentages I'm making up, okay? I, I didn't study this. These are my percentages by experiences, by how I would judge it. So 10 to 5% or less, every now and then I've had experiences that I relive a dream that I wrote out. Or I relive something that God reminds me of through the deja vu that brings me back to something I've already written down. And those experiences, I stand there and I begin to watch this. This person is going to close that door. That's going to come over here. This is going there. And the Lord says, I've been with you every step of the way. For me, deja vu most often 
has been a time where God says, I wanted you to know that I'd be with you in this moment. I had deja vu with Ashley Teredes one time. He's like, Joseph, you okay? You know, like that. Because I was looking at him, and several months beforehand, um, we have such a funny relationship, he and I. I we went out to eat one time about, I suppose, some, some many seasons ago, and we're sitting there, and I looked at him, and the word of the Lord came to me. And I had like an intuitive vision while I'm sitting there looking at him. And he's like just kind of getting to know me. And I looked at him and said, you and I are going to be lifelong friends. I can see it. We're going to get old together. We're going to go the distance. He's like, whoa, whoa. Like, I don't know. Who says that? I'm like, oh, and Heather's kicking me under the table. Don't say that, you know. And and (laughs) she's like, babe, don't say those kind of things. I was like, well, I just saw it. I'm sorry, guys. I just saw it, you know. And he's like, oh, and he didn't talk to me for like three months. He wouldn't speak to me. He's like, whoa, that guy's crazy, you know, and all this. And then things unfolded. But in that, <laughs> in that same moment, I began to have a moment where I was standing in the entryway of some restaurant, and I saw Ashley, and he was talking to me in that moment and said, I'm going to go here, I'm going to do this, and I'll be back there at this time, and I got to go, and everything's good. See you soon, brother. And literally walked through it like that. And I saw this in an intuitive vision. And all of a sudden, I'm standing in that place. He turns to me, and I went, "Uh uh-oh, he's wearing those clothes. He's looking at me, and he began to say it all. And I just stared at him because I was kind of freaked out. And then he's like, are you all right? Joseph, you all right? You know, and and I was just like, I'm fine. And then he, he went on his way. And then we talked later. He said, why were you so spaced out? I said, because I had a deja vu. I began to see something that had happened before. Does that make sense? So those kind of things should have a purpose, and I believe when you have a real supernatural, what we'll call deja vu, or I've seen this before, I believe it's confirmation you're in the right place. Okay? Does that sound good? Okay, let's keep moving. Let's talk about strange encounters. Now, this is where we're going to get really off the rails. You guys are going to love this one. Okay? When we talk about strange encounters, strange things, strange happenings, this is typically where people deal with uh, everything from UFOs to demonic entities to everything else under the sun, okay? Shall we go down this road? Will this be fun for you? Oh, you're going to like this one. UFOs are real. No, I'm just, um, no, I'm just kidding. So here's what we got to realize. I believe this. Um, help me say this, Holy Spirit, so I don't sound like a crackpot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start out with strange happenings. Let's, let's go small and let's go up to the big stuff, okay? Um, strange happenings typically works like this. Um, you'll be in a room or you'll be sleeping at night, and all of a sudden, have you ever just gotten kind of scared in your room? I used to have so many encounters with demonic things when I was a kid that sometimes even today I still flinch in the dark. You know, not because I'm afraid or this, that, but it's just kind of a familiar thing, you know. And many people, especially in, in your nation and other, other nations and even where I'm from, sometimes people have dabbled in darkness, okay. And there's familiarity to some things. Or families do things, and just because you have the blood of Jesus on you, they don't have a right to access your life, but they can come around your sphere. Demonic things can. Now, I'm not trying to give it any power. You know what? The Lord opened my eyes one time. I saw demons one time. And, and you know what they are? They're like, they're like hamsters, okay, with really big mouths, right? And I like to call them people's pet stinky, 
Yeah. Little pet stinky. You know, people around people that, yeah, monkeys, spiders, there's all kinds of that stuff. And who cares, right? Who cares? You know what you do with spiders? You step on them. Anyway, and so what you realize is this, is sometimes you'll see things, and there's, there's things that show up, and they look like different things and different forms and all that. And who cares? I love Jesus. That's what I care about. So, but anyway, these things um, happen. But, you know, people, have you ever seen people with their pet stinky? I do all the time. People come to me and they're like, uh, you know, like their little hidden sin, their little pet demon that they keep, they play with it, they're private, and they're like, ooh, stinky, I love you, I love you, stinky, and they're petting stinky, nice stinky, ooh, this stinky, you smell, ooh, you know, and all of a sudden you come to the meeting and the, the prophet or the pastor comes up to you and you're holding stinky and you're like, oh. how are you? I'm blessed, pastor. Oh, living the dream. Yeah, holiness, yes, yes, right? And then you leave again, everybody leaves, you go back to private, and you're like, pet stinky, you're like, hello, my precious, right? And the little demon's like, ah, and you're like, oh, I love it, right? You know, your hidden sin, all that little junk people play around with, right? Your little pet stinky, people like to put it in their pocket, and they're like, you know, they bring it out, and it smells, oh, yeah, yeah, but boy, you smell good today. Anyway. So people that have that, those kind of things are just little demons. They're little things that come around. Demons have major authority to people that are surrendered to them. Demons can't do anything in the natural unless somebody cooperates. And that's why witchcraft is so, in some ways, it can be very dangerous for people that don't know their authority because now you have pure authorization of darkness coming into the natural, working through a vessel that's given them authority to do things in the natural. But the same is true of the believer, and we have power and authority over that stuff, right? I love the story of Andrew Womack on the airplane when he was with that Satanist high priest, you know? He's like, yeah, I'm standing there, and you know, I'm sitting next to this guy, and he's like, I'm the high priest, blah, 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 blah. And Andrew's like, big deal, <laughs> you know? And uh, we always said that. I've had Satanists say that to me. They've said, I'm of the devil, and I say, big deal. I'm of God. I've had, I've had people that drank their own blood find me at my home and show up on my property. They're like, we've heard about you. And I'm like, get off my property. I'll punch you in the mouth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I was young. <laughs> I was young. That's not, I know that's not Holy Ghost. That's not Jesus. But this guy was there with this girl. I cast out these demons out of this girl at a seeker-friendly church, you know, where they do puppet shows to get people saved. And, um, and, this, this, and this, this girl manifests demons, and she's like, I saw you at this one place at this one time. And I said, who cares, you know, and started telling me the demons' names that are working through her. And, and uh, I cast the demons out, and she got free and then ran out of the meeting and went and got her warlock. And so she came, and I don't know how they found me, but they found my, my house, and we were having, like, a little get-together at our house. She shows up with her warlock, and they show up on my property, right? And so they sneak into my house, and they're cutting their arms open and drinking their own blood, right? And they're doing this, and they're like, ha-ha, we're here to curse you, and all that stuff. And I was like, so I was a young believer, though, Pastor Tafara. And I used to, like, I used to get elevated, man. I'd be like, you know, I, I came from a non-passive background, okay? Like, like... <laughs> My dad was a fighter. We're all fighters. You know, I remember, I remember my dad running out of the house. Half of his face had shaving cream on it, no shirt with a shotgun to go shoot somebody, okay? <laughs> He's holding a gun. He's like, get off my land, you know? And I was just like, dad, you know, little guy. Uh, any enough of that. So um, <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, so anyway, this, <laughs> so 
Praise God. I know that this isn't like, there's not, you don't do firearms here and all that, but praise God. I have many of them. And so, um, anyway, <laughs> praise God. Not here. Not here. <laughs> so, praise God. Did I lose everybody? Are we okay? <laughs> so, thank you, Jesus. Okay, so, and, uh, and through that process, though, this guy, <laughs> Jason, praise God. So through this process, this guy shows up, and he's with his, his uh, you know, witch bride or whatever she was, and they're there, and, and they said, you know, they're like, we're here to do this. And I said, you guys, if you want to come and enjoy this and you want to talk about God or if I can help you, I'm here for you. And they're like, no, we're here to, you know, convert you to this, and we're going to curse you and all that. And I didn't know what to do. I was younger, so I just said, if you don't get off my property, I'm going to throw you off, or I'm going to punch you right in the mouth right here. I said, the choice is yours. And the guy's like, oh. And so I shoved him, you know. I was like, get off my property, you know. And the spirit of God was on me, but I didn't know I should probably just show him love and pray for him and, and all that. So, so he got her packed up and he left, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know? And anyway, praise God. So that's not how we should treat people. Amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People skills. <laughs> Pastor Tafar is bringing me back to the beginning of this message. People skills. <laughs> so... Strange encounters happen, sometimes through people, sometimes through strange entities, okay? There's been times, you know, uh, I have had these experiences, maybe you've had these experiences, uh, where you'll see a dead loved one appear, okay? Maybe you haven't, and I'm not trying to encourage this, okay? Um, But I've had encounters where uh, entities or strange-looking creatures would stand at the foot of my bed. Um, I remember Heather particularly, she was dying. She was in dialysis where they were pumping her blood through this machine. Uh, She needed a new kidney, and she was dying. We were believing for healing. We're walking it through. And it was like we were getting attacked from every side. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I woke up and looked at the foot of my bed, and there was a large entity. Anybody ever seen the movie um, Avengers, Infinity War? The Infinity War. Yeah, I like that. My favorite part is when Thor shows up, and he's like, give me Thanos, right? That was awesome. Okay, enough. But anyway... But in that scene, there's, remember that, that, little, that little old guy that had the wispy hair and he could move things around? You know, he's really ugly. Uh, he, that's what this guy kind of looked like standing at the end of my bed. And I was like, what in the world are you? And I remember the Holy Ghost. I'd been praying so much that when this entity showed up, I didn't break into warring tongues. I didn't break into emergency warring tongues. You know what I mean? You know what that's like? <laughs> woulda, coulda, shoulda, bought a Honda. Shoulda, bought a Honda. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. But a Honda, right? <laughs> and so I didn't, I didn't break into the... <laughs> I, there was no warring tongues present. What it was, though, is a sense of my authority came on me, right? I'm laying there in bed, and all of a sudden I looked up, and I literally just thought, who are you? And big deal. And I was like, you know what? I literally said out loud, I said, whatever. And I rolled over and went to sleep. And I think that, that the kingdom of darkness more than if I would have been like, oh, we're going to fast and pray. You know, we did, right? (laughs) Didn't do that. And instead, I just ignored it. And there's a power sometimes in dismissing through ignoring. And so that entity showed up. But what was that entity? I believe it was an assignment that sometimes in the veil is taken away that many times there's assignments that come against us that we can resist through ignore and we resist through the renewing of our mind. And we truly do need to be worshiping and spending time in the prayer, speaking in tongues and doing these things because you literally will build yourself up and it'll be as nothing to you, okay? The mistake people made is they engage these things. Don't engage it. Don't engage it. 
I actually think there's, and I'm, I'm going to touch on the UFO thing at the end here, and I'm going to talk about it because the Lord's shown me some things, and that's such a weird thing to get into, but I, I'm just going to touch on it because so many people are goofy about this stuff. But I'm going to talk about it because I believe there's some clarity in the Word of God and what I believe it could be and what it probably is. Okay, I'll give you could and probably, but we'll get to there in a moment. Um, there's things that happen. Let me talk about that uh, uh, with some of this stuff here too. Let me, you know what? Let's just talk about it. Let's talk about those things right now. Let's talk about uh, encounters where people, people see things in the sky or they have little men show up and they try to kidnap them, okay? Have you ever noticed nobody that ever uses, if you study this out, nobody that ever uses the name of Jesus can ever be kidnapped by these things, okay? If you ever find yourself about to be what they call abducted, you need to literally speak out and say, I bind you in Jesus' name, Amen. okay? Let me back up real quick. I'm going to give you a snapshot on this. You come to your own conclusions. You study it, but there's something happening in the world, and it's not all pretend, okay? Is it okay if we just kind of talk about this for a second? We're still going to stay in grace. We're going to stay in the Word of God. Okay, Genesis 6. In Genesis chapter 6, it talks about the sons of God found the daughters of man fair, Right? And they cohabited, and they literally bred with them and created these monster people, okay? Now, a lot of commentaries say that's not how it went. They say, no, the, it was from the Sethite line. It's all these things, but there's a lot of problems. And if you really follow that out, it's not true. The true version of this is that angels that left their proper abode that I believe God cursed and put in chains of darkness in the book of Jude, these angels came out of their proper abode and began to inbreed with human women, Okay, I'm getting at something. I'll try to make this snappy so we don't dwell on this too long. But you realize in Genesis 6, this happened. And that's where you get these monster races like Goliath. That's where you get what they call the Rephaim, Nephilim, all these different ones. And there's a lot of uh, ink been spilled over some of this. And it's goofy stuff, okay? It's really goofy. But you realize there's not nothing here. Something happened. And that's why God sent Joshua and Caleb and all of them into the countryside to go and kill them all. Okay. And remember what they said, the, the spies that went in, only Joshua and Caleb said, we can take them. But what did they say? They said, we can't go in there and take them. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. Okay. Now there's some archeological stuff. You can get into this, do your own research. It's hard to find where this stuff starts and stops because, you know, you can believe everything you read on the internet. And anyway, and so, so with that, uh, just for a disclaimer, no, you cannot. And so, so you recognize, though, that these things uh, happened and this stuff took place. And through that, these monster people were around. And I believe that the, the devil was trying to pollute the bloodline of Adam so Jesus couldn't be born. And I believe that's what he was trying to do. That's what the Old Testament. So when God said, go into this city, show no mercy, kill everything. The reason he was doing that is because of the bloodline. It was, it, they could not be redeemed. Think about this. Sodom and Gomorrah, for example, are different places that were so terrible. You know, he was saving a lot in his family because they still had a pure gene pool. Okay? Pure bloodline. And they had a covenant. And he was trying to get them out of what was going on. And those people could not be redeemed. Okay? And uh, it says that they were used to going after strange flesh. When the angels showed up, those people were like, ooh, what do we got here? Right? They weren't just a little bit like, how you doing? They're, they were also like, everybody okay? Uh, 
So they, they were also <laughs> too much, but you, you recognize, they, they rec- but they weren't just that. There was that was going on, but they also saw the angels and they were used to going after strange flesh. Strange flesh is also talking about the potential of they were used to seeing supernatural flesh. Okay? Now, I'll, I'll ease up out of that, let you do your own study and discovery on that. I study a lot of stuff, probably deeper than I should, but I, I do enjoy it. And so you recognize this, that then this process unfolded, and when they would begin to kill these giants, and some archaeological things and different commentaries that you look into, or I just should say some extra biblical texts that you can look into, talk about these guys that they had rows of sharp teeth that they were big. So when they said we're grasshoppers in their sight, they were like, they'd eat people. You know, there's reasons we have these fairy tale stories of like, uh, you know, the, the beanstalk, Jack and the beanstalk, and this giant that came down from the sky, and all these things happened. There's a reason we have these stories that were like the Odyssey and Homer and all these men of renown who did things. I think there was a lot going on, okay? And they keep finding these giant skulls all over the world. Now, let's not go down that road. We stay on the gospel. But I'm just saying, this stuff, it's out there. Saying that to say, I believe that those entities, those, those dirty spirits, are either demons we see today or some of them that were not killed. I believe they have long life on them, and I believe they have the, the luxury of interdimensional technological abilities. Okay? So what am I saying? And what am I not saying? <laughs> What I'm not saying is, is uh, run down this road and learn all you can about it. No, learn about Jesus and stay in your authority. And when the conclusion is all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. You don't have to worry about all this stuff. But there is something happening, okay? And when this stuff uh, begins to take place, you realize, I believe that's why they'll see things that they've proven now, that you'll see things flying through the air and they'll turn at a 90-degree angle uh, at the speed of breaking the sound barrier. It's impossible for that to happen. They have to have no mass or have the ability to have interdimensional abilities. And we know that science and quantum physics has proven that there are 10 dimensions known to man. Four of them are knowable. Six of them are not attainable to us except through math. Okay? I probably just lost everybody. Um, that being said, when you get into some of this stuff, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'll, I'll begin to back up, and we'll get fun again. Here we go. But you realize some of the things we're seeing in the sky, I believe, are for deception, demonic activity, and I believe that they also, the reason they can appear in the sky is because they still have some cohabited authority with the women, okay, and some of the stuff. So they, they have abilities to appear on the earth because they have a flesh connection. And that's why God was so angry and bound those, demon, or those angels in chains. Now, the other part of that is, is when they killed those, those things, it's possible demons come from disembodied people uh, that, are, that were killed in the Old Testament and other dirty spirits that cannot be redeemed that are a mix of angels and an unredeemed man. And these spirits are trying to find people to, to live inside of. Okay? Anyway, enough about that. That was a lot. I just gave you a little teaching in demonology tonight. And so... <laughs> It's actually true. It's a real study. So when you, when you begin to understand some of these things, so strange happenings and all that, these things need to talk to mankind. They can't talk to God. They can't communicate with that. Jesus said the prince of this world is coming, and he is now being cast out. Jesus was the second Adam, and where was he casting these things out from? He was casting them out from the presence of God. He was casting them out from their ability to access and accuse mankind day and night. Right? 
So wherever this starts and stops, you should come to your own conclusion. But remember, you keep Jesus paramount. This is minor stuff. Don't get into it. It'll cause conspiracy stuff. Don't do that. But there is truth that should be talked about, but only for a point of reference, not for a point of deep, inductive study. Because if you go way down that road, it'll make you weird. It just will. Praise the Lord. I remember the Lord came to me one time I was studying. He said, Joseph, do not say a conspiracy. It says that in the book of Isaiah. Do not say a conspiracy. You know, people fill their head up with all this stuff, and then they start looking for all this. Don't do that. Don't do it. And I believe there's a lot that could be talked about with it. If you're a flat earth person, get your mind right. Anyway, um, <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Some people are like, I believe in flat earth. Well, okay, so it's re- let's say it's real. Now what? Why are they hiding it from us? People are like, well, because it's a conspiracy. It's a, and yet every other planet we look at is round, but this one, right? Crazy. Crazy. That's deception. Repent and get out of it. And if that offends you, you need to be. Okay? Now, okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Pastor Joseph is here. And so, praise God. Okay, if you're into that stuff, quit reading it. Get in the Word of God. He drew a circle on the face of the deep. It wasn't on a frying pan, okay? He drew a basketball. It, okay, praise God. All right, enough. So, thank you, Jesus. Woo! All right. Let's talk about traffic. Let's, let's shift gears. This is a term that I use, that we use in our ministry, and we've, we've uh, used it for years with the ministry we grew up in and all that. Traffic is a prophetic thing that you begin to experience. Now, the reason I use the term traffic, it's a lot like, you know, if you were standing out on the highway, or, you know, traffic's busy. You know, it's kind of hard to navigate, right? I, I mean it like, you know, vehicle traffic or just a busy road. That's what I mean by traffic. And traffic is something that you can begin to encounter. Have you ever had emotions come on you that you go, I'm not angry, I'm not sad, but why do I feel this? I don't know what else to call it. It's discerning of spirits, I suppose, but it's traffic. You're feeling other people because people in their soul, they can put off things. They can put out like a, a vibe or a signal. They can put things out that you can pick up, okay? Have you ever dreamt about somebody and you're like, why am I dreaming about this person? And then you hear something about them or you run into them. A lot of that's traffic. Traffic with me has been this, is that especially, and I hate to say this, but sometimes the more negative something is towards you, you feel that more than the good all the time. And traffic, like if people really are having a lot of thoughts and challenges and stuff, in my life and other prophetic people that I've met, if you're standing by somebody and they're really dealing with something towards you, (laughs) you know, or they're having an issue, many times you can feel that or it makes like a confusion in your mind and your heart. You're like, "Why why am I feeling confused? Or if a lot of people are irritated with you, or if a lot of people are happy with you, you feel like, man, I feel like I'm walking on sunshine. What's going on? Now, the, the teaching community, this is the difference between prophetic people and teachers. Teachers are like, I don't feel anything. Because they're analytical, they're not driven by that, they don't have that sense in them as, as much. What they have is a gift to teach, and so teachers are like, I don't care how I feel, I just get up and teach. Prophetic people are like, what's the temperature like in here? You know, like, uh, this person's offended, that's going on over there, I feel this, why does everybody hate me, you know? And, and uh, the reason that uh, Elijah ran to the wilderness is he's like, they're all going to kill me, God, as I believe that prophetic people feel things and they get all weird about it. And maturity is to be able to just press past those senses you get, okay? Guys, sometimes, and, and I'm not trying to say this to be cool or anything, I don't like it, okay? This is something I experience. Sometimes, 
I know when someone's talking about me and who they're talking to and almost can hear what they're saying. And then when I see them, they shake hands with me like, how you doing? And I'm like, great, really, really good. How are you doing, right? And, and you can't say, hey, you, know, can, you mind shutting your yap about me? Because then they're like, never, right? But the truth is, is there's traffic and you feel things, all right? Is that too much, <laughs> right? <laughs> And so we recognize this, and it's not always like that. It's not like, don't talk about the prophet or he'll hear. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, and so the truth is, is that that happens sometimes. And I don't know why it happens. I don't know what it's about. But you, you see that throughout the Word of God, different threads of that. In the Old Testament, you can see that where it says, you know, the, uh, the, the Lord speaks to this man what you speak in your bedroom and all that, you know, that kind of stuff. Now, those things happen. I don't know why they happen. I don't try to make a big deal out of it. As a matter of fact, the Lord brought me to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes helped me with this because there's been times that I've sensed things on people or I hear words or things like that. Not all the time, but sometimes, right? And I'm not trying to make this spooky or high and lofty. I'm just saying these things happen sometimes, and I call it traffic. Or when you feel emotions, you don't know why you're feeling them. But Ecclesiastes says, don't be eager to hear what your servant is saying. Don't be eager to hear it because lest you'll hear him cursing you in his bedchamber. And then it goes right after that and says, but let it go, basically. This is me paraphrasing. Basically, let it go because you yourself know you've done the same thing. Isn't that something? So when I'm around people and, and I know they've you know, said this or that or that, I kind of expect it. You know, and then I look at them, and they're like, oh, brother, I didn't mean this. I'm like, I love you. I've done that stuff, and Jesus forgave me. I forgive you, too. Amen? That's how it should be. So prophecy or the high-level experiences we have are never for manipulation. They're never to dominate people. They're never to step on people. They're never to lord over people like, I know something you don't know. <laughs> oh, this is going to be good, right? You know? And now give me all your money, right? Right? We ought not to do that. I believe when you have gifting like this, we are to train people, we are to love people, we are to grow them up in the spiritual gifts, and maturity means restraint, and just because you can doesn't mean you should. And when you're mature in the kingdom of God, it means you love people into their growth. You know, there's been times I look at people and I know they're lying to me. Not, not just like some other people. Some people, like you have that ability, you know, you know when people are lying to you. You know, I, sometimes I get it supernaturally. You know, like, I'm actually kind of, kind of a very simple person. Like, Heather's like, Joseph, you know, they're not a nice person. I'm like, yes, they are. And she'd be like, they're not a nice person. And I'll be like, okay, they're not a nice person. But, but there's times, though, that when the Holy Ghost is on me and I'm looking at things, all of a sudden I recognize things, and somebody will just be lying through their teeth to me. And you know what the Lord says? Love them and help them mature out of their dysfunction. Because if you don't, Joseph, they won't make it. I trust you enough to be able to say, it's okay, and bring them out. If you want to truly be prophetic, it's not to know all mysteries and call people out on their stuff. It's that God can trust you with his heart and even knowing things that are difficult and holding it with grace for people and then still being able to be sweet enough to love them and lead them to where they need to be with Jesus. That's real prophecy. 
That's really the office of the prophet. All this stuff is the flashy, but at the end of the day, it all leads back to the gospel. It comes back to Jesus. You know, Paul the Apostle said, if even an angel, we just talked about strange things like UFOs, but Paul said, if even an angel appeared to me and preached a different gospel than what I'm preaching, he said it wouldn't matter. He'd rebuke that angel. He'd say, get out of my face. I have more authority than you anyway. Isn't that good? Is this helping you with prophecy? So when we do team prophecy, things like that, and I want to raise up, a, I want to raise up an army of prophets. High five, man. Come on. Boom. I want to raise up an army of prophets, an army of prophetic voices. And the reason I want to do that is so when we begin to have an army of people ministering, they will be clear-eyed, clear-minded, unoffendable people. Don't tell me how prophetic you are until you show me how non-offendable you are. Prophetic people are the most competitive um, divas around. They're like, but look at my gift, right? Look what I can do, <laughs> you know? That's, that's prophecy. People, the people are just so, uh, prophetic people are so insecure. I was preaching in, in other nations, and sometimes I get up and minister, and if I ever threatened the senior prophet in the house, they immediately would make sure I never came back just by prophesying. And I'm being a nice guy, smiling. And, and they're like rebuking people and smacking people around. I'm like, oh man, you don't have to do that. And I love people and get them into Jesus, give them clear words and be like, you can make it. Come on, little buddy. You know, and we do that. And some of the other prophetic guys, they don't like that. We need to be clear-eyed, grace people, raising up prophets on the right side of the cross. You know the difference between the right and left side of the cross, right? Left side is the Old Testament. Right side is the finished works of Jesus where we're not saying please, please, please. We're saying thank you. Right? On, the, on, the, on the, the left side of the cross, we're going, Jesus, give. Give to me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Oh, Jesus! Right? That's the, right, that's the left side of the cross. Old Testament. If I do more, will you touch me, God? Then will you meet my needs? Oh, God. Right? That's the, that's the left side of the cross. Old Testament. You ever heard the Adams Family song? Da-da-da-da. Nobody? Anybody ever heard that? Well, there's another song called The Old Testament Family. They'll stone you and disown you. They'll hate you and berate you. The Old Testament family. Da -da -da -da. Okay, anyway, enough of that. But that's religion, right? So you're on this. <laughs> help me, Jesus. You're on this side of the cross, and you're saying, help me, help me, help me. But prophetic people that we're raising up in any fivefold ministry needs to be this way. We need to get them on the right side of the cross where we're not saying, oh, give God, do this. Oh, send fire, God. Instead, we're on this side going, Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. And now the grace I've received, I give. Right? That's the way it is. Praise God. Yeah. Woo. Well, we got into it tonight, huh? Did this help anyone tonight? You've got to realize that when God is speaking, and God is always speaking, when he begins to minister, if you ever see prophetic ministry that's spooky, weird, out there, you don't have to tolerate that. Yeah. Right. Prophecy is normal. It's, yeah, some brother's laughing. He's like, no, it's not normal. <laughs> I said that one time. I said, prophecy is like a plumbing job. You just go and turn a wrench, you know? And my friend Ryan, one of my friends, Ryan, we do a youth conference all over, and, and, and sometimes I like to go to youth conferences. You know, the young people need the power of God, man. 
they do. The young lions are coming. I'm going to talk about that later this week yet. But I, was, I said to him one time, I said, hey, you know, um, when I first met one of my friends in ministry, I called him out. I told him his sister's name and the name of the bar she worked at. And, uh, and I said, yeah, that's awesome. So he was really touched by that. And later I said, you know, prophecy is normal. It's just like a plumber turning a wrench. It's normal. He said, no, Joseph, it is not like a plumber turning a wrench. It's different. <laughs> right? So yes, I get it. I get the intrigue. But everybody wants to have that connection with God. Everybody wants to feel something special in the Holy Ghost. Everybody does. We all do. And the truth of the matter is, is God wants to give it to you. But how we receive how we hear, how we step into these gifts is really important. It's really important because people get deceived. They lose their revelation. They get, they get burnt out. They get thrown to the wayside when you run down these roads after experiences versus the gospel. Does that make sense? I think some of the biggest prophetic ministries in the world, only some, are totally out of order. And I'm not critical of anybody. I pray for people. I love people. I'm not being critical of anybody. I don't have an axe to grind with anybody. I just, I just love people. But I got to tell you, we owe it to the body of Christ to rightly define this stuff because everybody can move in the prophetic. And an office of the prophet gift is something that is assigned to you and it has nothing to do with your gifting level. It has to do with your uh, responsibility. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, that was a lot. Well, we really went there. Okay. I suppose we should prophesy to a few people. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. We didn't get all dressed up for nothing. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Father. <laughs> yeah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God's good. Yeah, Jesus is normal, man. He's full of life. He's full of grace. I think God has a sense of humor. He loves us. He just loves us. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Oh, praise you, Jesus. I really, uh, some time ago, I had some people that were part of our ministry and stuff, and I started to talk about God wants you wealthy. I started talking about that, and then I was talking about a bunch of things about increase, and I really offended them. I didn't know, know I did it. They're like, you talk about God wants all this for us. We don't agree. We're out. We're leaving you. I said, okay. And they, they like just went at me really hard. Rah, 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 rah. And, um, and they wanted me to fight with them, Pastor Tafara. They wanted to fight me, you know, verbally. And I just said, I'm so sorry I didn't meet your expectation. And that's all I said. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry I didn't meet your expectation. I really am. And they just couldn't handle it and they bolted you know and I said well God bless you and you know what in ministry if you think people are in ministry and you're going to be in ministry and people, oh, you're going to get in ministry and everybody's going to love you you're going to be so popular people just going to like you if that's your perception don't go into ministry praise God but the more that we get unoffendable and the more that we can just love Jesus and love people realize people are at a level they're at you know and just don't don't be so easily wounded and offended. We just keep moving forward. Praise God. Happened to Jesus. You know, you know that you've been offended with people at times, and later, after years, you went, oh, maybe I could have done it better there. Right? Let's just give people the benefit of the doubt. I've had people come to me and say, do you know this person's talking about you? And I'm like, oh, they love me. They just don't know it yet. 
<laughs> they just don't know it. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, I just have such a love for you guys tonight. I just feel Jesus loving on this church, on the guests in this church. We're privileged to be here. Yeah, I preach in stadiums sometimes. I preach in home churches. I preach wherever God sends me. And I've been with some of the bigger names in the church world and all that. And you know, I just want to serve Jesus. And I just, um, I don't know. I, I think it's important. I think it pleases the Lord when you go where he wants you to go. And I'll tell you, I love this church. If I was in this town, this would be my church. I'd be here. I'd be sitting with Pastor Tafara saying, preach it, Pastor. Can I get your bags for you? Can I carry your bags? I love it. That's how it should be. You guys should be fighting each other to serve these guys. It is this church's responsibility to get Pastor Chipo on full time here. I charge you. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. <music>